I still remember the experience quite vividly. I had been looking around for quite some time and everyone else had a smartphone. And finally the day came when I was able to obtain my own. And so I saved up the money and I went and purchased it. It wasn't much to behold, it was just a humble Android, but nonetheless it was still a smartphone. It did exactly what I wanted it to do. And so it did a lot of the things you'd expect, that it was able to make calls, it was able to send texts just like any other phone did. But then I was able to really get into the smartphone side of things. I was able to browse the web, I was able to use apps, I was able to do a lot of things that I could not do before. And so I was overjoyed at this prospect. But over time, reality starts to set in. Because we all know that smartphones can't do everything. That at that moment when it's worst, in that worst moment of opportunity, that it loses all of its charge and we find ourselves with a dead battery. Or at times when we really, really desperately need cellular data, that that signal can't be found. Or maybe there's just those different glitches and those different bugs that happen to crop up and they really make it kind of hard to use that smartphone effectively. So in many ways, as much joy as it brought, there were still shortcomings. There were ways that I was always searching for more. And I dare say in our lives, that's a very common experience. That we have a lot of things, a lot of stuff that can give us a lot of joy, but at the end of the day, it leaves us looking for more. Maybe we find it in the different amount of apps we could use. Maybe in our smartphone, or maybe in social media, we find ourselves just scrolling and searching for more. Maybe it's other people, maybe it's other things, or maybe it's even some of our vices that come up. That we're looking for joy, but sometimes we're looking in all the wrong places because we find ourselves looking for more. And the reality is that as we're looking for more, it tells us something about the human heart, that it has not been satisfied, it has not found the object of its longing. Does the church have an answer? Today we celebrate Gaudete Sunday, that simple word that comes from the antiphon and the entrance antiphon for our liturgy, which tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. And indeed, that's a powerful statement because we're rejoicing, not because the Lord has come at this point since we're in the Advent season, but because he is drawing near, that the Lord is close at hand. But what does this joy look like? Why does it change life? Is it the answer to all of our problems? Especially considering this is the year 2023. Surely things have changed by now. To start to answer that question, we start off with the book of the prophet Isaiah. We've been following along with this book since the Advent season began, and yet we're still continuing on. And Isaiah starts off this particular passage, and he speaks to the people, The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. Now, this is not a foreign concept to them. They know very well that the Spirit of the Lord has anointed him. He's a prophet. He's been speaking words to them for some time. He's told them words of encouragement. He's convicted them. He's told them words of challenge. He's been there speaking for some time. But this message and the tenor of it is quite different. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim glad tidings to the poor, to proclaim liberty to captives, to set those held in prison free, to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. And he starts to speak this because of who he's speaking to. The house of Israel. It's been in exile. It knows that it's done wrong. It's dealt with the punishment the Lord has doled upon them for some time because they chose sin and wickedness. They cho chose to live away from the Lord. And so because of that, they reap the fruit of what they had sowed. 
But nonetheless, they found themselves in a state of depravity. They found themselves in a state of want. They, ser- they were searching for more. So Isaiah is speaking these words of comfort, telling them to take joy in the Lord. And then he starts to use this vivid imagery to tell them more about who he is and the way that the Lord comes. Because the Lord is giving them the robe of salvation, the mantle of justice. And he's giving them all of these things as if a diadem for a bridegroom or a jewels for a bride. Indeed, he wants to be lavish upon all of his people. And so he's giving them all of these great gifts. And we're told at the very last image that is as if a plant is starting to flourish and to thrive. But nonetheless, there's this central theme of rejoicing because the Lord is there. The Lord loves his people that even though they've done wrong and they failed to do good, that nonetheless, the Lord is coming to them and he wants to restore them to right order. And so there is that theme of rejoicing. And we hear their responsorial psalm that actually comes from the Gospel of Luke. My soul rejoices in my God, that there is no other source of joy other than the Lord. The Israelites found that out the hard way, but nonetheless, Mary is the one who gives us the right words to say, my, re- my soul rejoices in my God and no one else. He's the only one that can provide. We move on and we hear from St. Paul in his first letter to the Thessalonians, and he tells the Thessalonians in very short, term, short order, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in every circumstance give thanks. And it's interesting, because oftentimes we have to consider the reality of humanity, that the church in Thessalonica at that time, they might have had it in their minds that that's a great idea, that's the ideal, but here's reality, that Paul's just simply naive to what's going on. Why is he telling us to pray without ceasing? Why is he telling us to rejoice always? Because they're in the midst of a church of turmoil. It's not all that popular to be a Christian just yet. And there's all sorts of persecution, there's all sorts of trials and problems. Why is St. Paul telling them this? To rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, in every circumstance give thanks. It's because St. Paul wants them to speak into the larger picture. Because he wants to tell them that it's not just about the short game, but it's about the long one. Because there is a time whenever their, their Lord will come to them. There is a time whenever he is going to give them the object of their desire. That there will be a moment of rejoicing that will never be taken away from them. And so St. Paul is trying to speak into that reality. He's trying to tell them to wait and to be patient for the Lord, for he is coming. But they need to do that work of waiting for him right here and right now. Then nonetheless, as he's speaking into their reality, he wants to give them the aspiration of faith, knowing that in time things will be even better, that the Lord is waiting for them and they should wait for him with hope, with expectation, and with eagerness. And then finally, we move on to the gospel according to John, the apostle. And so we hear about John the Baptist yet again, that we are told that a man was sent by God, and that man was John the Baptist, that he was not the light himself, but he was to bear witness to the light. He was pointing the way to the light. He was the great forerunner, as we know. And so, in fact, he wasn't the prophet, but he was a prophet of sorts, that he was ultimately always telling that the Lord was coming. And indeed, we tell that John, John the Apostle is telling how John the Baptist is revealing to all the people that he is not the one, but there is one who is coming who is even greater than he. And that, in fact, this prophecy is given to all those that are listening. There's this anticipation, there's eagerness. So the Jewish community and even the Pharisees are trying to figure out, is he the one? Is he the Messiah? Is this the Christ? Is this the prophet? But he's telling them, I am not. 
But there's good news. Because he tells them that in their midst, right there at that moment, there dwells amongst them one that they know not, that is the Christ. That he is the one that John can't even begin to have that worthiness to stoop to loosen his sandals. That he's there. He's walking in their midst somewhere. They may not know where just yet, but nonetheless, there is that continued need to see that the Lord is close at hand, that he's drawing near, even though they haven't seen him yet with their eyes. So John the Baptist, even though he's not the light himself, he's bearing witness to the light. He's telling them, the light is coming. The light is here somewhere. We just haven't seen him yet. But nonetheless, prepare your hearts and souls because he still needs to be prepared for that we need to anticipate him and his coming with great joy and eagerness. We hear all of this and we hear it in our modern context. Because if we think about it, we hear about how the Lord is telling the Israelites to rejoice. How St. Paul is telling the church in Thessalonica to rejoice. How John the Baptist is telling even the Jewish community at that time to have great joy for the Lord is right there in their midst. That he's coming and is being, he will be manifest very soon. But what about us right here, right now? What about in this year 2023? What are we being challenged to do here today, right now? Well, first, I think it's important and imperative for us to realize that the Lord is the source of joy. The Lord is the source of not just any joy and any sort of generic or vague joy, but the joy that satisfies every longing and every desire of our hearts. That He is the one whose coming will set us free from everything that holds us back. If we look at that letter or the, the book of the prophet Isaiah, that he's speaking, that he's telling, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim glad tidings to the poor, to the healing to the brokenhearted, um, and all of these different parties that need to hear the word of the Lord, liberty to captives, and all of those that need to hear that, that word, that nonetheless he's telling them, all of the heart, your heart's desires that the Lord is coming to fulfill every single one, and not just to capacity, but to overflowing to the point where it's even lavish and it's gratuitous because they can't do anything to deserve it. But nonetheless, there is that need to realize the Lord is our source of joy. There is no one else. There is nothing else that will provide us the joy that the Lord does. There's nothing that will satisfy our hearts and our longings and our desires. There's nothing else that will satisfy us as much as the Lord does. But there's a problem, because oftentimes our hearts settle for less. Our hearts settle for things that seem to be instantaneous gratification. Our hearts settle for things that promise happiness, but in the long term they leave us wanting for more. Many times it is a smartphone. Many times it's that simple thing that distracts us from everything that's going on, provides us with a constant source of noise so that we can't dare to face the reality of our human condition or even interact with other people. So sometimes that is the thing. Or maybe it is apps, or maybe it is social media. Sometimes we find ourselves scrolling through endlessly just waiting for the key, waiting for the answer, waiting for that thing that's finally going to provide us enough joy that we can provide scrolling, that we can stop scrolling. But nonetheless, we continue on because we never truly find it. Or sometimes it gets even worse. Sometimes it gets into the habitual vices. Sometimes it gets into those other things and those sins that get in the way of our relationship with God. Many times it can be gossip. Many times it can be just simply spreading slander or lies around the community or even larger, uh, the larger human family. That sometimes we settle for that because it makes us feel good. Or sometimes it's our own ego, our own sense of vanity, our own pride. That 
sometimes we need to feel like we have it all together, that we are in control. I'm number one. No one else matters. And so sometimes we think that that's going to provide us joy. But at the end of the day, it makes us so desperately insecure and so filled with anxiety and sometimes even to the point of desolation. And sometimes we also struggle with other sins as well. There's as many weaknesses as there are, as many different commandments. Sometimes it's impurity. Sometimes it's disobedience. Sometimes it's a lot of different other things that can creep up in our life of faith. And we kind of let them in because we feel like it's making me happy. We don't choose any sin because we choose evil. Oftentimes we choose it because it makes us feel good or it makes us feel satisfied for a moment. But once it's gone and that fleeting moment fades away, we find ourselves in that state where we realize what we've done and we're not satisfied. And that's the reality that sometimes we need to remove those things from our life or at least we need to put them in the right order so that they're not blocking off our life of faith or blocking off the Lord, but instead we're open and we're receptive to what the Lord is doing. But there's also another catch to this as well. Because as much as we recognize there are things that get in the way of our relationship or there are things that don't satisfy, we have to have the ascent of faith to realize that Jesus Christ is the only one who will provide us joy. Not just here in the short term, but in the long term. Because many times we don't have enough faith. Many times we become like those that might speak against St. Paul. Many times we might say to ourselves that when he's saying rejoice always, I can't rejoice always. There's all these sorrows and trials, these things that are going on. Is St. Paul naive? Is this priest naive? Is Father Belkin naive? Do they not get the reality of our human condition? Or maybe there's just different things that are going wrong constantly. How in the world can I pray constantly? How in the world can I give thanks to God unceasingly? Because that's not reality. Or at least we tell ourselves that. We say the reality is here, faith is over there. But it's not to be so. That we shouldn't separate the two, but rather we need to marry the two together because they are part and parcel of our human condition. Because if we have faith, we know that the Lord will come to us in time. That it's not about celebrating the Christmas season right here and right now. We're not there yet. Christ has not been born in the manger. And so therefore we are in the Advent season. And as we look at our life as a whole, we are waiting for that time when the Lord will come to us, not just now. But we're looking for him when he comes to us, when he comes to us in that final appearance, when we finally appear in the halls of heaven. That that is why it's imperative, as St. Paul reminds us, that right here, right now, that we have that gift of faith. That we realize things may not go well in this life. There might be a lot of struggles. There might be a lot of strife. There might be a lot of things that challenge our faith and really shake us to our core. But if we hold on to Christ, if we persevere till the end, then we will see that we will be rewarded in due time. And we shouldn't despise the Spirit. We shouldn't quench the Spirit. We shouldn't despise the prophet utterances because we feel that the Lord is not listening or paying attention. He is, but He needs our persistence. He needs our patience. He needs us to continue to endure and to have the courage to endure until the very end. And that's the reality of where we are. Because we need that greater gift of faith, because we know we can settle for so many things that are much less than God, and many things that start to take the place of God and even block us from his light and even make our own human condition worse. But what if we have the light of faith? And that indeed is where we are today, because this third Sunday of Advent is to remind us of the freedom that is being professed to each and every one of us, that we know there's nothing in this life that can satisfy other than Jesus Christ. 
There is absolutely nothing else that will ever satiate the deepest longing and desire of our hearts. Not another person, not another thing, not even another sin or another vice. Nothing else will truly satisfy us as much as God's coming and Jesus Christ's presence in our hearts. But we have to do the work of making room for him in time. And that is also where we find more work, because this is very relevant in 2023. Because we know that we live in a world of darkness, of despair, a world that's so negative that so often it causes the alarm bells to ring at the slightest provocation, that the news oftentimes gets us in, rattled and confused and in a state of chaos, that we don't know where to turn, that we wonder what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to bear testimony to the light. We're supposed to be John the Baptist. We're supposed to be the ones that even though we may struggle at times to have the light fully in our own lives, that nonetheless we are to tell others about that light that only Christ can provide himself. Because we live in a world of darkness. We live in a world of hurt. But we live in a world that's thirsting for more. When Isaiah lived in his time, they were thirsting. Whenever the Thessalonians were living in St. Paul's time, they were thirsting. And even John the Baptist, when he was speaking to the Jewish community, they were looking for more. And our world is too. Now, many times it does persecute us. Many times it calls our beliefs naive and idealistic. Many times it does tell us that. And many times it might even start to get us to believe that. But that's not so. Because the reality is that the world does not have the answer to this life. Why so many times we're struggling, why we're distressed, why we're looking and searching for more. Because our hearts are restless until they rest in God. Because our hearts are never going to experience the fullness of joy until they bask in the presence of Christ. That our hearts are never going to find what they truly desire until we make room for Christ. And indeed, that's what the world so, long, so longs for as well. And we oftentimes wonder, why does the Christmas celebration start so quickly after Thanksgiving? It's become so much of a secular holiday, but in fact, the reality is that humanity itself, whether or not they believe in God, is searching. They want that joy. They want the peace that only the Christmas season can provide. But sometimes they're lacking the, in, the intrinsic part of it, which is Jesus Christ in that relationship with him. And that, in fact, is where we're called to be that light and that testimony to the light. Because we don't necessarily have to be the light ourselves, but we should be striving to grasp it and to bring it to ourselves. Jesus Christ is that light, and we need to bring it to others. Because we do live in a world that's so desperate and in so much need. That anytime we see someone searching or living in vice or sin, or sometimes just living in anger or negativity... That's because they haven't found God just yet. Because they haven't found the answer of their longings. They haven't found the object of their desire. And that, in fact, is Jesus Christ. Now, we know that we need to wait. We know that he's not here just yet. That we're in the season of Advent. But if we truly trust him to be the object of our desire, our ultimate fulfillment, and the source of our everlasting joy, we're not just going to be joy, overjoyed in this life. We still have a lot of things that we have to go through, a lot of struggling, a lot of strife, a lot of grief. But in time, we know that we will be rewarded, that we will find that we are basking in the Lord our God and the object of our desire, Jesus Christ, as we enter into the halls of heaven, as we enter into that place that we've waited for for so long. Because reality is, smartphones aren't the answer. Apps aren't the answer. Social media is not the answer. And even vice and all of those things that can get in the way are not going to provide us happiness. They might seem to provide it for a time, but they will not fulfill us in the way that Jesus can. 
And that's what the Sunday of Advent reminds us, that we should rejoice not just in any abstract thing, not just in anything or any one person, but in Jesus Christ because he is the source of our joy and he is drawing near to us and will not delay. So my brothers and sisters, that simple theme of rejoicing, that it's not just for people so long ago, but it's for us here in 2023 today. May we never settle for forfeit or counterfeit goods that promise happiness but leave us wanting, whether it's a smartphone, whether it's apps, whether it's any sort of vice or anything like that. But rather, let's listen to the words of the Lord. Let's have faith in that reality. Let us truly rejoice always in the Lord, for he is coming and will not delay.